Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? Not much. It's starting to get chilly in New York. Also, there was a tornado warning yesterday. Um, I got like the AFA alert on my phone. It was like, get to the lowest floor in your building with no windows. And it was crazy. The wind was, the wind was really blowing. Did you feel unsafe? I mean, I was just like, tornadoes don't happen in New York. Like, that would be fucking wild. I can't even imagine. Um, so now I, I felt like pretty safe. I was just like, Apple's like tweaking. Like, <laughs> where do they think I am? Um, but yeah, how about you? What have you been up to? Um, I was just going to say it's funny because I feel like, like when I think of natural disasters, I literally just think of my childhood. Because I feel like that was the way that I thought that I was going to go, especially growing up in Georgia. It was like earthquake drill, tornado drill, hurricane drill, all of the drills. So I was like, oh, shit, like we're all screwed if a natural disaster comes. (laughs) Not in Chicago. I was always like, if an earthquake or a hurricane hits here, like I'm down to die. Like it's so unlikely. Also, um, it's kind of just upsetting because I'm going back home in a week. I mean, that's not upsetting. (laughs) Love you, mom. It's really exciting. Really excited to be back. Um, But it's crazy because the graphs show literally Philly COVID cases rising the most and then Chicago or vice versa. Either way, they're like top two rising right now. So I'm literally just bouncing between here to an, a worse place. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like top two, and you don't want to be top two. Like, usually you do. <laughs> like, I feel like COVID's changed all my perceptions of what it means to be, like, having a lot of things, you know? Like, having a lot of cases is just uniformly bad. I don't know. COVID's just, like, so it's going to get bad in New York, too. It's going to get bad everywhere trying to find positivity shout out moderna and pfizer though for like getting their vaccines done dude i was with someone and they were just so hesitant of saying pfizer because they're like i was like you shot you shot the shot bro and you missed yo yeah no one's mm, my hot take is that like no one's going to want to get the vaccine and it's just going to be a mess, but we'll see. Hopefully people get the vaccine. Um, but we can definitely transition into the show today. We've got an awesome show. We've got a great guest. We are going to be interviewing the artist Oceanator over a cup of honey green tea, honest tea. Great. Let's get started. So for today's drink, we have a honey green tea honest tea. And I actually really like honest teas. Actually, I never get them. But I remember in high school when we would have those vending machine things. Oh, no, actually, I didn't get them from the vending machine. I got them from the cafe. Um, This was my like go to drink because I don't really like sweet things, as y'all know. Um, And whenever my friends would buy things in the middle of class, I just felt inclined to like drink something that wasn't water and I would always go for this so it reminds me of sitting in AT physics board after lunch 
All right. Um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. So I definitely have like a tea rankings. I drink a lot of sweet tea. I've tried all the sweet teas. Um, the best sweet tea is definitely, and I like the fake sweet teas with like fake flavoring too. So it goes Snapple peach tea, number one. And then like everything else is like levels and levels below. But the second is definitely Arizona. Joe tea is dope. That's like somewhere in there. Pure leaf is okay. And then after that, it just falls off. I think honest tea is pretty bad. Like really doesn't bring much to the table. It like dresses up like all fancy. Doesn't really say much. Doesn't really uh, stimulate the taste buds. It's just like, I'd rather drink water. I don't even know why pure leaf is even in there. Pure leaf is is objectively worse than honest tea. I understand the Snapple. I understand especially the Arizona. I feel like Arizona just has good vibes to the labeling and to the brand. But pure leaf just gives me like honest tea, but like fell down a couple of stairs, you know? No, I like the pure leaf, like the normal one. Like the straight up one. Like the pure leaf ones with flavorings, I agree with you. They're just like nasty. Snapple in Arizona are the only two who can do flavorings. Like the other teas, or Joe's tea can like low-key do like peach flavoring too. But like some of these teas, it's like pure leaf. When you're putting stuff in your tea, like it it tastes like pee, to be honest. Um, so yeah. My, my tea rankings are like pretty like steadfast. Also, diet tea is terrible. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of clown if you're already drinking tea and you're looking for diet tea, like, bro. Um, have you tried peace tea before? Um, I don't, I, I've seen it. Cause it has like the like little peace logo and everything, right? Yeah, one of our friends, Fafa Van Ha. Hey, Fafa. Um, I remember she, I don't know if she likes them now. I feel like she does, but she used to drink them a lot in middle school. So shout mm. out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, um, I forgot one tea brand, um, sweet leaf bomb tea brand, kind of like pure leaf, but better. <laughs> anyway, now that you know all about <laughs> my rankings. If you ever want to get me a tea, get me like the liter bottle of the Snapple peach tea. They're like two, like 19 at Walgreens. But we have got a great artist we're bringing on the show today. Her name is Oceanator and she just released a really, really dope album this year. And we're going to be talking to her about the record, about her influences, and really just about what matters to her in music. Teresa, you want to offer some thoughts on the album? Yeah, so Oceanator's album, Things I Never Said, really was something I played repeatedly. Also, um, I'm a pretty big indie fan, and I just like was drawn automatically to the album cover, which is bright blue, and it has Oceanator like sitting in an orange chair. I thought it was very fun. And then also, I just thought that like her her lyrics were very in this time and that it was sort of like reading her thoughts that didn't entirely come to a conclusion, which I like because I feel like it was like just very honest. And also 
her music is just exactly the type of style that I love. And I'm just super excited to be talking to Oceanator. She also just seems like a really fun person to talk to. Definitely. And the only other thing I would say is like the song on this album just like rip. A Crack in the World has been one of my favorite songs for the last couple months. And then she has like longer songs like The Sky is Falling and like Hide Away, which just like kind of stir so many dope solos on there. Just so much dope exploration. And yeah, we're super excited to talk to her about her work and what it's been like to release an album in this time where you can't really tour with a band. But should we call her up, Teresa? Yeah, let's call her up right now. Record, admit. How about now? Yeah, that's perfect. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Weird. I wonder, I'll have to check what's up with that later. Yeah, it was like kind of cool and experimental. <laughs> <laughs> Well, usually it, yeah, it was working fine yesterday. I must have, there must be something weird going on. Anyway. It's all good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for wanting to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) We like absolutely loved your album. Um, And we just like love to ask some questions. Sure. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. So our first question was a lot of this album feels a bit apocalyptic. And I know you said that you recorded it before the whole quarantine period, but did you feel like you kind of predicted the future in a way? <laughs> Fun answer, yes. I'm, I'm psychic. <laughs> but also I think like, I think a lot of that stuff, you know, um, uh, apocalyptic stuff, this year is particularly bad for sure. You know, everything kind of feels like it's all coming together. But I think kind of every year there's like a lot of stuff going on, you know, obviously. And I think it, it all kind of gets up in, in your head and in the collective like consciousness, consciousness of folks. And like, so you're thinking about like, oh, well, here's all this bad stuff that's going on and still trying to like live your day. And then when, when I like sit down to write it, it's like, that's the stuff that's coming out because like, it's all there. Like, we, it's not like we got to 2020 and everything was perfect before, you know, and now it's like suddenly terrible. It's like, it's kind of been building up to it, I feel like. Um, so I think that's why, that's maybe part of why the songs have like the, they feel like they're now. And I think there's a bunch of records that came out this year that are that are uh, like that too, which is pretty wild, but <laughs> yeah. So like kind of going off that, did you, um, did you plan for this album to sort of have a lot of apocalyptic themes or did you just notice that that was something that you were writing about and that was just something that always came up? Yeah, it was just something that came up. Um, I usually write albums and, or like, well, this is the first Oceanator album, but like I write like the EPs and stuff. I, what I do is I just write a bunch of songs. I'm just, I'm not thinking like in terms of, okay, now it's time to finish like an album. I'll just be writing a bunch. And then when I have a bunch of songs that I like, um, that's when I start thinking about like, what is this going to be? Is it going to be an EP? Is it going to be an album? which songs from these fit on it. Um, so with this one, it was like I had, I think I had like 13 that I was thinking about putting together. And as I like listened to them, like sonically and also like lyrically, thematically, I was like, oh, I guess all of these like are about a similar feeling. So then that makes sense together. So I, this will be the record. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And kind of going back to those EPs, um, I really love the Tear These Fascists Down EP. Um, it was like a bunch of beautiful covers, 
but did the recent election, do you feel like it affirmed a lot of the feelings that you were trying to get across on that EP? Or do you feel like there's still a lot of like work to do? I think there's definitely still a lot of work to do for sure. Um, this is good. <laughs> you know, like I'm not a big Biden fan, <laughs> but uh, I think he's definitely better than the alternative and you know, the, the, all the work that needs to be done will be like, instead of, I've seen a lot of people be like, okay, we're like just putting out these little fires so we can keep fighting basically. And like, I think hopefully it, like he'll have a better pandemic response, for example. So like, you know, all these extra people won't have to die over the, over something that we could be taking steps and precautions for. Um, so I think it's definitely a step in the good direction. It's really frustrating to see like all the, the established Democrats be like, progressives, you almost cost us the vote, which is like, just so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, yes, there's lots of work to be done, but I'm, I'm feeling optimistic, I guess, long story yeah. short. Um, and also, um, I noticed that you kind of cover a variety of different musical influences, like with soul, and with some punk rock and all that on your EPs, like what artists really influence you in the work that you do now? Um, some big, my big, like, my big growing up listening to like formative artists, I would say, are like Green Day, um, Elliot Smith. Those are like my two like big, big ones. And then like, I love Jeff Rosenstock. I love Page of the Lion and Wolf Parade and, um, you know and then like soul stuff like curtis mayfield that first curtis curtis mayfield record curtis exclamation point it's just like so good you know folks like that um so yeah i, I mean my dad and my mom also um my dad listened to a lot of like soul stuff growing up so it was always he had like he's a big speaker guy also so he had like the sound system going all day basically with like you know soul and just and like old rock and stuff and then my mom was into more like um like we'd listen to the old east station and then she uh and she likes like spoke and stuff um so you know that was always those things even if like i went to some folk festivals festivals with her as a kid and like i saw pete Seeger and arlo guthrie when i was really small and i've seen arlo guthrie a bunch since then which was i think he's great um so i think all that stuff is just kind of a lot of that's in there, you know, unconsciously. So like when people ask me my influence, I don't, I don't usually say those folks, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not listening to them as much these days, um, like actively, but they're, they're in there and they definitely like formed my musical education or whatever. First of all, I love Elliot Smith. Like I found Elliot Smith when I was going through my emo days in middle school. And I have like a playlist on Spotify that's just like cry and it's just all I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Talking about him with someone this morning too. They sent me their playlist and they were like, oh, what are your favorite Elliot Smith songs? And I was like, well, off the top of my head and sent back like 20 songs like an idiot. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like Elliot Smith is when you're like in the dark place. You're like, oh, like, that's where you are. <laughs> Yeah, it's good though. I feel like a nice thing about uh, one of the things I like about his music and also other sad music is when you are in the, the dark place, it makes you feel better for me at least because it's like, oh, like I'm not alone here. And then like when I'm not in the dark place, I can still listen to it because I'm like, this is so good. <laughs> you know, like it's just so, it's just really well written songs.
but. yeah I don't know how seventh grade me was like I can relate <laughs> a little problem <laughs> yeah. yeah no I feel yeah. like when you're little yeah you listen to the sad music when you're little and it's like yeah I'm I'm big sad too and then you get older and you're like I don't know what you were sad about little little me but like yikes <laughs> no totally so kind of like going off of your influences so obviously I know that you um you do the songwriting and the arranging of your music um so which one of these I guess came first in your artistic path arranging music or really more lyrical stuff or and also like which one of these two comes more naturally to you if at all um they kind of came together in terms of coming first um because you know, when I started writing songs as a kid, it was very much, when I started writing songs, it was like rock songs, songs for a band. So like music and lyrics was was this um, kind of together. So I started doing them together. Um, but what comes more naturally for me is definitely the, the musical part, writing the instruments and the parts and arranging them and stuff. And I usually get, I almost always finish a song music wise, arrangement structure before the lyrics are done or sometimes even started um and then that kind of influences the the lyric writing for me that that's definitely the harder part for me and i think part of it is because i'm very self-conscious so i always worry about like you know what i'm saying and just that like people are gonna hear my thoughts and that kind of weirds me out a little bit I always think everything I write is stupid. Um, but also, yeah, I think I just like, I guess I think musically more maybe. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely the more natural sort of thing for me. Like I'll usually have like just voice memos and garage band demos and like other like things just floating around all the time, like musically that like, probably will never be anything but I'm like oh here's a fun like little 30 second thing of something um and then like sometimes I'll come back to it and be like some lyrics will kind of jump out or like a phrase will jump out at me while I'm just strumming along and then I'll be like oh okay and then I can kind of write a song about that yeah do you ever feel like you're creating a balance between the lyrics and the instrumentation because like the first couple of songs I heard like crack in the world it was like my running song and I was like, oh, this is like so hype. And then I started <laughs> to the lyrics and I was like, damn. <laughs> Do you intentionally like strike that balance or um, like, is that a balance you're looking for? Um, not, I'm not intentionally trying to be like, be like the hype, fast, fun song, let's bring it down a notch and just be like scared. You know? <laughs> um, but like, I don't know, that song kind of just, in general with with the songs they kind of give me a feeling and then that feeling is what I write the lyrics around so I guess maybe in like some way it's kind of like a a, a balance that I'm trying to strike but I'm not like I'm not I'm not thinking like happy sounding song sad sounding lyrics sad sounding song happy sounding you know like I'm not <laughs> trying to do that um but it does it does happen like that sometimes for sure um and also, I guess, like, most of my lyrics are kind of about being anxious anyway, <laughs> you know? So, like, I think there's going to be a lot of, but I, I like to, I, 
especially recently I've been writing a lot of stuff in like a major key and like you know kind of fast and, and upbeat stuff but like lyrically the same sort of anxieties are there <laughs> so yeah I guess that's that's a long rambling answer to that <laughs> um so one of my favorite lyrics or lyric that I really thought about was on um a crack in the world you said who knows if we'll be here tomorrow but everything everything still matters you know and um because I feel like usually the conclusion is like who knows if we'll be here tomorrow nothing matters you know like and so was there a specific experience where you like that led you to this conclusion that you know actually everything matters even though we don't know if we'll be here tomorrow um and like yeah what, what like prompted this um this thought pattern um so the i was so there's this book called everything matters by ron curry jr um that is about a guy who knows exactly when and how the world is going to end and he's known since he was born and then he like leads this life and like the question of it is like the the thesis of the book is like if you know when the world's going to end does anything you do really matter and like spoiler alert yes (laughs) um and like it's it's i think i got that book at the exact right time in my in my brain because i i was thinking about these things too i was like oh well like what is what does this matter like you know blah blah everything's terrible and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's kind of like that's the fact that we, that we, the world might, like specifically with this lyric, the fact that like, who knows if we'll be here tomorrow is like, you know, literally we could die tomorrow. So like every little thing we do now matters because we only have this little bit of time, unknown amount of time to be here and do stuff, you know, so might as well like do that well you know, and, and, and make the best of it and try to enjoy it while we can. So like, that's what makes it matter. Like in the grand scheme of things in the future, like, will your one little life matter to like people or aliens or whatever in a thousand years? Like, no, they're not going to know who you are or whatever, but like your, your experiences and your interactions with other people and the impact you leave on your immediate world is still important and matters yeah. to you and to probably a couple other people at least you know um, definitely and maybe we'll find the aliens do like study us you never know <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but how is your um recording process lately Ben? i know that um the album was recorded a while ago like how has it been recording over quarantine it's it's been um it's been okay. I'm very lucky in that my um, my brother has a studio that he built in the in the basement, and he like we've been recording together and playing together since I we were really small. He's we started a band when I was nine, and he was seven or eight and six or something like that, and um, and then he started learning to record like shortly after that. So so he's actually who who mixed this new record and. Um, half of it was recorded with him there as well so the stuff I've been doing like I've done a couple covers and and stuff like that I've been able to go down there Um, I've gone like down a couple times and help him with stuff and help my dad with some stuff and um, 
while I'm there, I can record because he's got the studio, you know, and, and he's got all the equipment. So that that aspect of it hasn't really changed because of quarantine, because like, you know, there's there are a few songs on the record that I play all the instruments on anyway. So like that's something I've been I've been used to doing. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm working on some new stuff and it is a little bit like it's kind of a bummer that I can't like get into a room with other people because one of the things I like doing when I have a new song is just like um, even if I'm playing it, even if I've already written all the parts, you know, I like to hear it perform. So I'll, I'll go in, like, we'll be practicing for a show and I'll be like, I have this new song, like, here's the key and the changes, just kind of, you know, play something similar to this, just so I can like get a feel of how it, it sounds and how it feels to play it, you know, even if like they're not playing exactly what I'm planning on it sounding like. Um, so it's been, it's been a different experience not being able to like hear the song played loud all together as opposed to just me like tracking it into the into the computer but yeah it's nice it's very nice to have that space and and I've been working on kind of figuring out like doing it in my apartment also I have the microphone that wasn't working and <laughs> I have my keyboard over here and stuff and uh you know been doing some like demos and learning how to do that stuff a little more on my own here too um so one of the things that I love just about albums are the album covers and so I just want to know you know what 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 outfit are you wearing what is the significance of this outfit where is the chair coming from the look on your face it seems very everything even though it's simple, like everything in it seems like very intentionally placed and decided. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, could you just tell us a little bit about why this album cover? Yeah, um, I when I was putting the, the songs together, once I knew like these are the nine songs, or I think I maybe had eight and then I wrote like January 21st was the last one that got written actually. Um, but whatever, when I was very close to having like, and I knew like, here's the record and here's, mostly what it's going to feel and sound like um I just had this like vision in my head of of the cover being like the chair in the bottom right corner and it being a teal background and there being some orange in the chair and sitting cross-legged and I was just like saw it and I was like oh I guess that extremely like it's such an extremely strong vision that like I guess this has to be the album cover because it just came um so then I um I hit up Mary Streepy, who did the drawing, and I sent her a photo of me. I sent her several photos of me sitting um, like that in various chairs. One of them was actually in uh, Target because I saw a chair that like looked <laughs> close to what I wanted. And I was with my friend and I was like, oh, you got to take a picture of me sitting in this chair. And he was like, why? <laughs> um, and, uh, and just kind of described and then I found like some chairs on the internet because I was looking for like one of those like circular, like sort of 60s, 70s chair. I don't know why. I just really wanted it. I just thought it would look cool. And I just sent her a bunch of chairs. And then so she put it, she, she like did the final, you know, it's not, it's not from a, it's not a real chair <laughs> that she kind of mixed everything together and, and, and made it look like perfect. Um, and yeah, the outfit, I was just like jeans and a t-shirt because like this is what I look like most days and what I that's what I wear and uh yeah just kind of neutral face because I kind of just felt like it should be like just staring at you 
you know, and then she, and then she like, she really like, I think nailed it on the, on the execution. And, um, and then Carl uh, did the, like the layout with the, like the colors and the, um, the title going up the side like that and everything, making it look like just pulling it all together. Definitely. Um, I actually just ordered one of the shirts today with the cover on it. So I'm super excited. Oh, that was you? I saw a guy was gonna email, I was gonna mail that out after this. Cool, I'll throw <laughs> in like some tattoos or something too. Um, but I guess one other thing that I wondered is just like, what are you most proud of in this album? Like, what do you feel like really worked the best for you? Um, I'm very proud of how it feels for me. And it seems like a lot of other people, which is cool like a cohesive thing i think it's my i think it's my most cohesive thing that i've made so far like the first two like eps um the the self-titled and the and the lows ep like i felt you know i think they fit and they have this flow but this one just feels i like kind of see it as like this and then we get a little low and then we go like that again and then we that's like kind of how i see the the track order and stuff and um so I'm really, I'm really happy with how that came together. Um, and uh, I really like all the songs. They were really fun to play. It was very cool to get to do the full band live stream for the album release that we did and with, the, with Andrew and Tony, um, who've been my touring band for the past year, I guess. Now I guess I should say two years because, but but we didn't tour this year obviously. Um, but they're super fun to play with, and they really like we like we jive well together. And um, so yeah, I think I'm just I'm just stoked that I just I just I'm really pleased to have made a a record that I'm like that I feel good about, <laughs> and don't have like you know that I I mean obviously I have this sometimes, but I feel like this record came out how I wanted it to come out. And there's no, there's no part of it where I'm like, uh, should have done this here or whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm happy with the yeah. finished thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of your live performances and they're incredible. Is it like hard not to tour? Like, does it hurt you to not be touring right now? Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I, I, I just love, I love to play shows in general and touring has been like such a huge part of my life for the past like five years or whatever I've been doing it way more um like it both with this band and playing for other people and stuff and so it feels weird to like just be here in one place for so long um and yeah just the feel like playing a show and going to a show and just being in that room with all those people and like the energy and the you know the loud music coming out and then you're throwing the energy back and it's like you know that that whole thing is just definitely very much miss that and you know live streams have been fun I like them too I, and I, I'm having a good time and it's I've uh you know it's cool to get to to still play but there's it's not the same as being in the room with people for sure and so like what if anything did you want sort of listeners to take away from this product project either you know album wise or just about you as an artist Oh, um, well, album wise, I, I just, I, I would like people to 
come away from listening to it like I guess overall feeling hopeful and like they can you know even if things are terrible which they are that like there's still some <laughs> some you know I, I that's why I put like sunshine last too kind of it's like okay we just came through this whole experience of ups and downs and whatever and like the overall message is like it's we're gonna be okay even if we're not okay you know um so I guess for that and then what as an artist I don't know I guess like I guess I never really I, I just I loved I just love making music and playing music so like you know I hope that that translates and that people are enjoying it and they get you know like because it's been such a huge part of my life like listening to music and going to see other people play and stuff and, and people's songs have like really gotten me through a lot of stuff so like if someone's going through something it'll be I, I, I hope to be also giving that back you know all the like good I got out from from bands I hope that like my music is helping someone and that people are enjoying it um, and that it's enriching their lives and the, you know no, it's really funny also just to hear me and Sam's different experiences listening to your songs. Because um, yeah. I listened to your whole album like multiple times when I was trying to grind out my homework like the other night <laughs> because I was like, yes, this is like angsty enough to keep me awake, but also like not like too much. Um, yeah. Sam was like <laughs> running to it. Like I can't imagine because I just run to like hip hop usually. But mm -hmm. um so rest assured, your album definitely has helped me write my paper. <laughs> Heck yeah, that's awesome. As someone who both used to listen to a ton of music to write papers and also has like my running albums that are like, I like love both of those as, as experiences for this record. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, we just have like one more question for you. We don't want to take up too much of your time. But like before we get to that, like what are your running albums? <laughs> Oh, um, I, my biggest, so recently I've been listening to that pup record, um, that came out a couple of years ago, Morbid Stuff, because yeah. like, it's all like, that's when I want to just like run fast the whole time. But my favorite like running album is actually, um, oh, also there's this Coheed and Cambria song that on my old cassette player played for seven minutes and 13 seconds exactly. And I had to run for basketball a seven minute and 15 second mile so I timed it by running with the cassette player and knowing that like when I hit that last chorus like I had to be at a certain spot you know um but I but I like I really like to run to that uh in Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth which is a um Coheed record also I don't know if you know it but the first song is like all the songs are like really epic and about like these other worlds and like all these crazy like battles and like sci-fi stuff kind of because they have this whole other world that they've built they have a comic book and stuff too so the first song on that record is like well first there's this intro thing that's like a phone thing and whatever and that's when i'm like <laughs> you can cut this out if you want to but that's when i'm like putting on my shoes walking down the stairs and then the second i get outside the first song starts and that song is nine minutes long and it's like my warm up, and it like so you start off a slow jog and then you build up and by the time you get to the end of it you're running like fairly fast then the next song i think is like do 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 and you're like going and you run and you have to run the sprint the whole time same beat and then there's a thing that there's one with sprints and slows in the in the chorus and then we get a slow one where you get to jog just whatever thing 
and I had this whole three mile run timed out to just like that record, which I used to do all the time and just never got sick of it. That's <laughs> awesome. That was the best you know, running playlist I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what should people look out for you for in the future? Do you have any projects coming up or anything you're working on? Yes, I have many, many projects um, that I'm working on. <laughs> I guess stuff that I can tell you about now. The vinyl re-release is coming out um, in January um, on Polyvinyl, which is just like still so wild to say because I've loved them for a very long time. Um, so there's that. I'm working on some new songs. I have uh, uh, my label that I started back in May has a, another compilation coming out um, in December for with like a bunch of really cool bands on it. And I have got like a live song on there. Um, and then a bunch of stuff that, that you'll have to wait <laughs> to hear about, I think. Dope, dope. Well, we're super excited. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, totally. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Oceanator and check out her album, Things I Never Said. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com, or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.